Before we get started with today's podcast here at Walk On, we'd like to pay tribute to Dan Kay, who sadly passed away at the weekend. Dan worked at the Liverpool Echo for many years and was a former colleague to myself and a number of our team here at The Athletic. He was such a special person, a remarkably gifted writer and journalist, a tireless Hillsborough campaigner. He was the proudest Liverpoolian you could ever wish to meet. He was so knowledgeable and passionate and he loved his club and his city and he loved Merseyside. He was a true champion of social justice, someone who went out of his way to help those most in need. He was a kind, gentle and genuine soul. He will always be one of my very best and dearest friends. I know I'm not alone when I say I'm going to miss him very, very much. May he rest in peace and may his memory be a blessing. The Athletic Right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your dedicated Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Liverpool are preparing for a trip to Leicester with the hunt for a place in next year's Champions League beginning to move into focus. We'll talk about the top four hopes, we'll answer some of your questions and plenty more alongside James Pearce, Keith O'Neill and Andy Jones. But first, three words. Andy, I'll start with you. Maximum points required. Because if Liverpool want to give themselves any chance of that top four, they're going to need that. Well, they certainly are. They certainly are. Kiva. There is hope. There is. There is. And I wish they wouldn't do it to us in many ways. You know what I mean? I'd written it off a month ago, and now they've got me excited again. James. Uh, I'm going for no messing about. Just get straight into them. The, you know, the, the, the atmosphere will be bouncing early on, but just you, you can't give a team like Leicester with their fragile confidence levels under the amount of pressure they're going to be under on Monday night. You can't give them a sniff. So, yeah, no messing about. Yeah, I'll say, send Leicester down. You know what? We won't miss them anyway, will we? So uh, let's see what they're saying on the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. Patrick Hogan says, just win out. Dave Rimmer, optimism rising dangerously. Matthew Brown, reeling United in. And Andrew Moffat, well, it's not three words, but he says he tripped over his cat this morning and Anthony Taylor gave Brentford a free kick for you. <laughs> to join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Well, all right, we've got to talk about it. You know, we probably shouldn't. We don't want to, but we have to. The Champions League chase. James, is it on? <laughs> um, is it on? I, I think we'll know before Liverpool kick off on Monday whether it's on or not, because... What they have just done, I think, the last few weeks is made a race happen that didn't look like it was it was going to happen, and and just a little bit of pressure. I still think you'd much rather be in Newcastle or Man United's position. There's, you can't you can't make any bones about that. Um, and Liverpool, as Klopp said himself last week, have got their work cut out, just ensuring they win their last three. You know, make it nine out of nine, uh, get to seventy one points. But yeah, we'll know a lot more by Monday before Liverpool play, because I I still think out the two, the, 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 I think there's a better chance of, of Newcastle um, slipping up. You know, we're, we're relying on some big Sam Magic, uh, Ellen Road on, on Saturday lunchtime. You know, that's, I think that's probably more likely than the Wolves getting anything at Old Trafford, but United have stumbled and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I, I still think when you look at the fixtures, I think even with United in their current, 
kind of status. I think I think they'll they'll get the what's it eight points. I think to ensure they finish ahead of Liverpool. But yeah, Newcastle are the ones for me. Um, uh, I, I I I still think there's a chance. I can just see the, the headlines on Twitter. You know, James Pierce said Allardyce is better than Lopetegui. I can see that now. <laughs> I can see how it works. But Kiva. Leicester coming up and, and they're sort of kind of appropriate because they were in the top opportunity for the top four twice and they fell out of it and they were in the cup final and they kind of lost the focus. It kind of happened to United. Well, I was thinking it might happen to Newcastle earlier on in the season when they started slipping up a little bit and I thought, I thought about Leicester and those seasons where they got close and then just fell away because they didn't quite know what it takes to to make the top four. And I think Newcastle are kind of in that bubble, but they seem to be just dealing with it so much better. And they just seem to be switched on to know that you've, you've just got to keep winning games and, and hope for the very best. But I think you'd imagine there will be pressure on Newcastle and United now with Liverpool just winning. And this is what the message we've been saying all season, you know, win your games and that will put pressure on those above Liverpool in the table. And now we're getting towards the very end of the season and Liverpool are a point off United, Newcastle, you know, a little bit higher up and just, I know they've got games in hand and stuff like that, but yeah, it's, it does feel like Liverpool could sneak in the back door of the Champions League and that would be quite something given the season that they've put us all through. Yeah. And the thing is when you come, it's like at the end of games when balls are humped into the area and if they were humped in in the first minute, the defenders, central defenders just nod them out. But in the last few seconds when the pressure's on, they do, they do daft things and the end of the season like that, the pressure's just building and building. And when you consider that Liverpool have, well, I mean, they kind of lost that muscle memory of winning games, Andy, and seem to have got it back. I mean, it's been a really unconvincing winning streak, hasn't it? But like they've got that knack of winning games back, and suddenly Newcastle and United are losing games where they they had a knack of winning. You know, is the seesaw is the seesaw you know moving up and down? <laughs> I hope so, and I hope it's moving in, in Liverpool's direction. But I think that's what scoreboard pressure can create, um, and it's what Liverpool haven't been able to to apply throughout the season. But as you say, that they, they have done these, you know, they have been on these winning runs in the past. Um, they have been able to put, you know, those six, seven, eight, nine wins together when they've needed to, when they've been challenging for the title, and and even when they were, you know, challenging for top four a couple of seasons ago. So they do, they have refound that ability to regardless of how well they play, win the game. Um, and I think we've seen that in the performances. You know, it hasn't been, you know, this scintillating football all the way through every 90 minutes. There's been periods of it. Um, but Liverpool have had to struggle. They've had to suffer. They've had to just find their way through games. And I think that 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 is important at this stage of the season because when you play in the likes of, you know, those those sides down the bottom or th- those games do get harder and they feel harder, even though, you know, if you play them in September... You'd, you'd probably just win easily or, you know, for in Newcastle United's case, for example. So there is that pressure there. Um, and, you know, Liverpool have the experience of being able to do, you know, put these, hopefully a nine-game win and run together. Will that be enough? We don't know. But you can still take that into next season regardless, can't you? You can, you can. You look at the games that Newcastle and United have got to play. Leeds, obviously, uh, away for Newcastle on Saturday. Oh, Big Sam Magic, as James said, you know, Brighton at home. Well, Brighton have got to be really stinging from the, you know, the defeat by Everton, haven't they? You know, the, the shame of that, the embarrassment, that's got, to, that's got to cause them to, you know, to come back and win. Leicester at home, they'll need the points to stay up. And Chelsea away, 
Uh, three points to Newcastle. Um, uh, James, I mean, is there anything wrong with my analysis there? <laughs> uh, no, no, I think I, I think that's that's why I do think there's probably more chance out of the two of Newcastle or United. I still think, even though Newcastle need fewer points, I think their goal difference is better than Liverpool's. So they, I think they need seven points. But you look at they they could they could easily lose to Leeds if. Um, I just, I just think, I think Allardyce, as limited as he is, he will make that a difficult game for Newcastle. And the same with Leicester. You want teams you're, you're trying to catch at this point of the season coming up against teams who've got something to play for. And, and the only game that Newcastle have got against a team that arguably hasn't got anything to play for is, is Chelsea. But even that, you know, away on the final day, you know, with the talent that Chelsea have got, you know, and it will be Lampard's last game in charge, absolutely no pressure on them. You know, I, I don't think that's, that's a gimme. I mean, I look at it as well. I didn't, I didn't realize that you know United's goal difference is poor, isn't it? So actually, rather than eight points, they probably mm. need nine to to ensure they finish ahead of Liverpool. Um, but again, when you look at the fixtures, you know, yeah, we hope Lopetegui can 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 produce a miracle on on the weekend. But you know, it's, I, I think that's unrealistic. And then I think there are other two home games: Chelsea and Fulham. You'd expect them to win those three home games, as bad as they've been away from home. I think their away game is at Bournemouth, so. So that that's why I, I think I'd, you know I'd love to be proved wrong because it would be there would be nothing sweeter than a late twist that involved uh, getting Champions League football and denying Manchester United it. But yeah, I still think Newcastle is the, the the bigger hope. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, United's home form has been fantastic all season, hasn't it, Kiva? And but what we really need, we really need throw Allison up front, the cat <laughs> among the pigeons, and you know just a, a little bit of chaos. To end the season, positive well, that's what chaos. Brentford tried to emulate it near Anfield. I think Liverpool don't necessarily need chaos; they just need to win their games. And we're kind of speaking about Man United and Newcastle as though, well, they could drop points there and whatever else. But Liverpool need to continue this run, and it looks like they're a team capable of doing that now. But we could quickly be forty-five minutes into the game against Leicester on Monday, be it scratching our heads thinking oh, this has been that season again. So I don't think we're too far away from that still, that feeling that's just sort of stayed with us all season. So it's still up to Liverpool to just maintain that pressure and obviously do their, keep up their end of the, the bargain almost and take it to the last day. And that would be for Liverpool to salvage anything out of the season. Maybe it is just they might miss out on top four on the last day or they might get it on the last day. And I think having something to fight for on the last day just felt so far away, didn't it, um, a couple of months back, especially the start of January with those early defeats to Brentford and, you know, whoever else. It just felt like, oh, God, Liverpool might not get anything out of this season. And here we are. There is hope and they might just get something. The the, the worst thing is the regrets. The daft points dropped in games that, you know, you think was so winnable, Andy. You know, it's like... But I have to say, if they do win all the way out to the end of the season, I won't be thinking too much about regrets. I'll be thinking about positivity going into the summer and I'll be thinking, can't wait for next season to start. And that is the uh, the way I'll yeah, rationalise it. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Um, regardless of, of sort of where, where Liverpool end up, you know, a month ago, as you said, we, we didn't, we sort of, you know, cancelled out the thought of Champions League and it was, the focus was about, right, okay then, so what, what are we going to look like next season? What can you... What can you do? What can you build on? And, and what momentum can you take into the next season? And, and Liverpool did that when they managed to get off four in that in the COVID season. You know when they went on that 
on that on that unbeaten run um, until the end of the season, and then they took that on into next season, used that momentum, used it really well, and you know nearly had the greatest season in the club's history. And while okay, Liverpool might not do that this time, it's you know at the same time, it's if you can, you know, it looks like we've got a new style of play. You're going to have you know reinforcements coming in. You're going to boost the squad, particularly in midfield, which you know we've talked about so much. So you want that positivity, you want that feel good factor, and you definitely don't want to not win these three games and then have and still and then watch United or Newcastle slip up and think, oh god, um, that that's can't it. be the worst. <laughs> would it? That would be dreadful. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but but you're right. It is all about thinking ahead to next season. Seeing players getting back into form, players learning new roles and getting better in them. And then you can take that and hopefully hit the ground running in pre-season and then going into the season. And that's what we're all looking forward to. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. Tony Evans here but Walk On, your dedicated Liverpool podcast. And I'm here with James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. Well, James, a throwing coach, Thomas Granemark, is leaving after five years. Why, why is that? Can you explain why that's happening? Yes, yeah. So Thomas Granemark, um, well, his contract effectively just isn't being renewed at the, the end of the season. Bit of a surprise because Jurgen Klopp and his staff have always spoken very highly of his of his work, and you know it's and it, it's been a very successful period. When you think he he came in in the summer of twenty eighteen, and of course in that first season, you know, Liverpool win the Champions League, then the, the Super Cup, the the Club World Cup, the, the, and, you know, and ultimately the Premier League title. And it's it's been an area of their game that you can you know it's been clear for everyone to see that that, that, that there's been a, a big improvement on, but. My understanding, having spoken to Thomas, is that the, the role had just changed over a period. I think, I think, largely COVID-related initially, because he was he was coming to to what was you know initially Melwood and then the AXA four or five times a season, to spending a week each time to work with the players, both inside in terms of a video analysis, but also you know most importantly for him, time on the grass, going through routines, both in terms of offensive and defensive throw-ins, and then obviously COVID changed all of that in terms of not being able to travel. So his, his role became very much about doing an analysis package on every single game, on every throw-in, the good the good things, the bad things, the things that need to be improved upon. And he said it hadn't really gone back to how it was before. I think he said he only visited the AXA twice last season. Um, actually saw him at the AXA a couple of weeks ago, but he, he said that was actually his first visit since last July. So he'd gone, what's that, you know, nine months in between visits. 
um, yeah, when they started talking about potentially going forward, how it was going to work, he said, well, to have a proper influence as I want to have, I, I need to go back to having those four or five week-long visits a season. And Liverpool's response was, we, we don't feel as if we're in a position to make that kind of commitment. Um, so I think we think it's probably best we go our separate ways. So, um, yeah, that's the kind of rationale behind it. Okay. Now, one of the things that strikes me, Kiva, is when things are malfunctioning on the pitch, invariably behind the scenes there are issues. And we know that have been all season, you know, it's um, in the recruitment departments. And Klopp's talk this week about making changes to training. I mean, now, presumably, they'll shake things up in that area, you know, this summer anyway, whether it's people leaving or whether it's just trying to adapt the way they do things to changing circumstances. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, they're always looking to do new and different things. And I think, you know, the work Thomas did at Liverpool is something that perhaps they've almost learnt from themselves and are able to sort of implement that now going forward. I think, you know, you'd imagine just one session with them and you'd be, you know, I'd be throwing the ball a lot further, wouldn't I, than, <laughs> I, than I can currently. Too many foul throws from me. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, Liverpool have always, I remember when, when he joined and they sort of got skittered at, didn't they? I mean, people were laughing at, at Liverpool for hiring a throwing coach. And it was like, you know, as James mentioned, what, what Thomas was able to do is get Liverpool from being among the very worst at taking throw-ins to a team that, uh, you know, were, were the very best. And, you know, it was those small marginal gains, wasn't it? That helped Liverpool go on to do what they did um, in, in previous seasons and that success. You know, even if that's just 1% improvement, it's going to, you know, go towards 100% of a, a victory or a trophy, whatever it'll be. So I think Liverpool have always been quite creative in recent seasons. Definitely Jordan Jürgen Klopp's tenure at the club at doing that kind of thing and getting different different perspectives, different coaches in. I think that should continue. Maybe there does need to be something something new and exciting for us to, you know, be told that is happening at the club or to find out because it, it feels like maybe that kind of thing from the outside seems to maybe have stalled, but, you know, it's maybe what we're not hearing about what does go on at the club or whether, you know, they want to kind of privatise that a little bit more now going forward as well because, you know, there is so much written and said about a lot, isn't there? And maybe, you know, it's probably good to keep things secret as well, given that you're battling it out with oh, different we're teams. We're journalists. We don't believe in any secrecy. <laughs> We've got to get it all out there as soon as we hear it. Well, that's what that's we'll try crucial. and do, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? I, I lived in the States for a while, you know, sort of in the uh, in the 90s. And I, I come back. And I was like, at stands, at stands, I've been watching basketball and I've seen the way, you know, they, they regularly have purrins, you know, they, they throw the ball in from the side and the movement, everyone's moving, everyone's, you know, got, got their own roles to play so they can open up space and they can, well, come on. And I was watching, you know, go to the match and you watch it and they take a throw in, someone lobs it down the line, nods it on and you go for the second ball. And I, I'm like, why doesn't everyone have throwing coaches? You know, it's as important as... um it's important as, as, you know, sort of free kicks and working on free kicks. You know, keeping possession is crucial. Well, I mean, you know, you can see why in these circumstances he's left. But, I mean, Andy, do you think this is a sign of a change in the thinking at all? Um, I'm not sure necessarily a change in the thinking. I think I'd go along with the idea of, of you know, you want to keep things fresh and you want to change things up. Um, you do wonder if... if the sort of what the re- the role have been reduced to if Liverpool feel that they might be able to have someone you know on the ground 
every day who can do the same sort of type of analysis and maybe be able to you know impact things you know on a daily basis rather than you know sort of every now and again but I, I think you do you you do obviously need to freshen things up because and and you do need to to look for the next thing because it, when when Liverpool got that set piece coach uh, sorry the throwing coach it was like why are they doing this but then you start to see you know those those types of coaches, you know set piece coaches, become more and more of a thing. So Liverpool was sort of a bit of ahead of the game in, in that regard, and and maybe it's a case of trying to be be ahead of the game again in in terms of where they go in, in, in a different direction that they might be looking for. But it is always all about those marginal improvements, and and that happens by trying to be ahead of the curve and trying to be the first to think of things, but also to fret, to refresh things because. Players can get bored of doing the same things time and time again, hearing the same voices, and and that's why you have to keep things different and, and change things, and from training to to analysis to all those types of things. So so it might be a, a move in a different direction because they feel that that might be the best thing for for the players. But what you would say is is fair play to, to Thomas because he did make an impact on Liverpool's throw-ins because I used to. I used to feel like it was basically given the the opposition the ball whenever Liverpool got a throw in because he was so bad at it. So it, it has improved, and you know you hope that Liverpool can continue to make or find those little areas of, of improvement in in different areas of the pitch that, that maybe other teams haven't thought of. Yeah, definitely. Talking of the summer, and um, you know what could be happening then. We've got a couple of listener questions from the Facebook group. So James Shane Roach has asked. If Liverpool start next season with a front four, what four would you pick? Front four? Front four. Um, well, for a start, I don't think he will play with a front four. I know he threw four out there, didn't he, from the start last weekend, which I wouldn't say was a great success. And especially, I think I think as well, we're going to see, we know, an influx of midfielders this summer, certainly two, potentially three. So... Yeah, I'd be I'd be very surprised if he did. If he did, well, I think you'd have to have Diaz on the left, obviously Salah right, and then see. I'm I'm still a Nunes firmly in the Nunes believer camp, so I think I'd probably go Nunes with Gakpo just behind, which is harsh on Jota, but yeah, that's probably the way I'd go if if we were talking about this is on the basis that you know, you're talking about Nunes coming back, looking like he's more in tune with what's required of him for the start of next season. Yeah, I I mean the front four seems to me uh, be a strange setup. I was a bit I was a bit taken aback on Saturday when I saw the team. I was like, oh, how's that gonna work? And it ends up probably with Gakpo slotting back into the midfield, wouldn't it, Kiva? I mean you can't see a front four, can you? No, I don't think so. I think you see four attacking players on the pitch, but maybe like Gakpo plays in midfield and that kind of thing, because obviously, you know, Liverpool will have decisions to make won't they, next season. Obviously, there'll be no Roberto Firmino, so Salah will be the last of the famous front three. And you'd imagine that front three will continue anyway with Diaz, Jota, Nunes, Gakpo. But whether, you know, Gakpo is a player, I can kind of see the, the reason and behind just throwing him into midfield, to be honest, because, you know, his best actions on the pitch are often in the middle of the pitch, picking the ball up and... Oh, yeah, but that's the same with Firmino, wasn't it? Firmino was brilliant doing that, dropping deeper and that, yeah? Yeah, so I definitely think you can have that kind of false nine kind of player playing a bit deeper and then just your normal sort of front three ahead of them. So, yeah, I can't see a formation of four up front, but technically you could have four attacking players on the pitch because that is something Klopp's done in the past as well. It's a way to get your goal scorers on the pitch as well, isn't it? 
Mm. Yeah, Andy, I mean, you know, a front four. Why not go all Allardyce and go 4 4 2? It's fair, probably about I mean, as likely, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Klopp has, has used it, hasn't he? I mean, I, I always remember that game away at Man City when he decided to go four up front, and that was a bit, that just thought it was mad, and it worked for, for a period of the game. Um, and th- there was a time this season, wasn't there, where he, he looked to go to that. Um, you know, he went to Arsenal away, didn't he? And effectively played that until Diaz got injured. And and then basically they only had about two forwards to, to use, so there was no chance they could they could do that. So uh, he it might be something that in games, but I would imagine it's more of an in-game switch if, if things aren't going well, that they might mm. go to that. I think Gakpo can definitely play that sort of number 10 role, you know, as, as one of those two higher midfielders. And I think he showed, you know, in patches that, that he can do that. Um, and I think that's the only way you would get four on the pitch. I think Gakpo is integral to that. Um, I think he has to, if if you're playing with a four, he has to play. Uh, I don't think you could do it with the Diaz, Jota, Nunes, Salah combination. I just don't think that would quite work because you, you, you're probably struggling to link it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's probably something you, you'll you likely see in game if, if things aren't going well. But hopefully that won't be the case too often because Liverpool will be winning. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, Shane, we'll never see it. Anyway, Carl <laughs> Phillips wants to know, which players from relegation-threatened clubs could Liverpool try to sign this summer? And he's mentioned War Prowse, Madison, Tielemans. Well, you know, it, it's, a, it's a reasonable question because, you know, Wijnaldum, Robertson, Shakiri all came from relegated clubs and that's, you know, it, it's fertile ground, isn't it? They're trying to offload some wages. Is there anyone you think's a possibility there, James? Yeah, I mean Tielemans, I, I put in the in that bracket of being a possibility just because he's free. I think I think if you were talking about a significant fee for him, then probably not. Um, was he twenty six? I think, but yeah, I think I think if, especially if I don't say for argument's sake, Liverpool go and sign you know McAllister and, and Mount, and you're probably looking at you know, if you were to get the pair of them, you're not getting much change, if any, out of 120, 130 million pound. And if you needed, if you felt you needed a third one, then I think in, in that regard, Tielemans would make sense. I don't certainly wouldn't. You couldn't justify him being one of your your two frontline midfielders you were bringing in. Madison, I can't see really. Uh, I think he's got a year left on his deal. Um, and after his penalty against Everton, I mean, <laughs> how badly did he curse you? That was one of the worst <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, and 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 the same Ward Prowse. I don't think I, that wouldn't make any sense to me. No. He, he's twenty eight, and I think I'm sure he will want to. You know, he's a very good player. You know, you'd argue about him just for his free kicks, but you know, I, I just I don't really see him being a Liverpool signing. Uh, the only one I think possibly at Southampton would be Kaleta Carr, the the Croatian centre back, because Liverpool we know really do need probably to, to bolster themselves in that department this summer. And Kaleta Carr was, he, he's definitely one that Liverpool have looked at previously. I, I, I don't know whether he's still someone of of interest at this point, but the, the fact that they've, they'd scouted him previously and I think he'd been, I think he'd been considered. So yeah, that, that's a, that's, I'd put that as a possibility as well. Yeah, Kiva. I mean, you think if Chelsea would have sacked Thomas Tuchel before the season started, we might be talking about Mason Mount as a team, uh, a player from a relegated team. But um, well, what about Tyler Adams? If Leeds go down, what do you reckon to him? Yeah, he's a fantastic footballer, isn't he? He's not someone that I think has been linked with Liverpool, but I guess you would imagine if Leeds do go down, then some of the best players will become 
will want to, I guess, play in the Premier League or, you know, in, in top league. So I guess it'll be interesting to see whether if from any relegated club, you always get that kind of players that sort of like stick. And then Andy will know a lot about this with Burnley this season. You get the players that stick and others that twist. And it's definitely a market, a unique market, isn't it? In a way of, you know, you can get a, a team, a, you know, a player from a team that you didn't expect to go down, a quality player that might just be looking for, I guess, a way out. But I think it's always interesting to see, isn't it? Like who who does go and who stays and that kind of thing. And at the minute, you kind of still don't know who's going down in a way out of, I mean, you'd imagine Southampton are pretty much gone and maybe have been for a while. And then Leeds and Leicester not looking great after Everton's win, are they? So it'd be interesting to see. Um, any Everton players if they go, Tone? <laughs> it's, um, oh, no, 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 categorically. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, looking, at, looking at that squad, um, I don't think Everton want them, never mind us. But um, <laughs> Andy, you've been uh, this season a, a championship correspondent in a sense because you see Burnley all the time and, um, and you've just been promoted along with Burnley. Yeah. Anyone, not relegated sides, but anyone down the championship that's really stood out to you that may not necessarily be coming up or even in the playoffs, someone roundabout that stood up that you think, you know what, he could do a job for us. Uh, the, the Coventry side of Victor Gjokeres has been excellent um, and probably the best best player I'd, I've seen that wasn't playing for Burnley down in the championship this season. I just think he's got everything that, that would be a success in the Premier League. Although I don't I don't think it's it's difficult because I don't think any of them are probably Liverpool level. The only one possibly is, is Alex Scott at Bristol City, who I'll be honest, didn't really stand out in the two games that the Burnley played when when Burnley played Bristol City. But with from watching other championship games and watching him, um you can see all the all the reasons why he looks like he's going to be uh, a top top player. So they they would probably be the two. Don't take anyone from Burnley because I want them to stay up. <laughs> I, I think in terms of, of just on, on the relegation threat inside, a couple of names that that might be of, of sort of interest to me anyway would be sort of like Harvey Barnes, who is probably stalled this season, but has the potential to be really really good and has caused Liverpool problems. Hopefully not not on Monday. And then Forrest too. While I think Forrest will probably stay up, Brennan Johnson and, and Taiwo. One you who obviously a former Liverpool player, those who have, have have impressed me this season, and you feel could do a job um, and be impactful, you know, a bit higher up in, in in better teams. But there's not sort of anyone I don't think that's a massive standout. as like you've got to go and get them from from one of the teams going down. Well, thanks, Carl, for that question. And remember, you can send us your queries at the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. <laughs> We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot. Probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. 
post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is Walk On from The Athletic with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce, Keith O'Neill, and Auntie Jones. Well, Monday night. What, what do we expect here? I mean, because... Leicester have got a fair amount of talent in the squad, but clearly things went wrong under our old good mate Brendan Rodgers. And now they seem completely, they seem to to be almost completely without direction and very little confidence. But they have been up when we've gone there for the game in the past, haven't they, James? Yeah, they have. Yeah, Liverpool have lost their last two visits to the, the King Power Stadium, and I remember that one. You know, it was Christmas time, wasn't it? Last season, uh, Liverpool beaten one 0 and yeah, when the when the crowd really do get behind them, there it can be it can be a difficult place to play. Um, but yeah, they're a strange team because when you look at them, out of all the teams that are down there, they're the one team you look at and you look at the names on the team sheet and you think. How on earth have you ended up in this mess? Because too good to go down. <laughs> the, yeah, the table never lies, Tony. The yeah, <laughs> um, uh, but it, yeah, you, you think yeah, that that's why. To be honest, all the way along, I've thought, no, 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 they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be, you know, they'll they'll put together a run of three or four wins, and, be, and obviously now you think I don't think they are going to be fine, um, and they probably need to win at least two of their last three. You know, Liverpool at home, Newcastle away, West Ham at home. They've got themselves in one one hell of a hell of a mess, and and even and I did think I I thought it was bizarre at the time bringing in Dean Smith of all the people you could you could pick. I'm just not quite sure how on earth you know how, how they came to that rationale that if you're going to get rid of Brendan Rodgers, that that Dean Smith was the man who was going to save you. Because I'm not I'm not sure there was anything in the last couple of years to, to suggest that would be the case. I know we, you know we, you know you take the Mickey out. Of, at Allardyce, but at least he's got previous for you know for being a firefighter. You know, even someone like Neil Warnock. You know, you know, bit of a dinosaur, but incredible job he did at Huddersfield. And yeah, I just thought that was a bizarre one. And then you watch them against Everton, and there, there was spells in the game against Everton. We thought, you know, they're, they're a really talented team and caused a lot of problems. And you look at you know, the vision of, of Madison and you know Andy mentioned before Harvey Barnes and. Vardy, even at the age he's still at, you know that ability to run in behind and and cause issues, but just so open. And Everton could easily have won that game uh, the other week, and then they go to Fulham, where you know again I thought surely that's one of those games that Leicester will be okay in because Fulham had players missing and you know nothing really to play for. They concede five in a you know crazy crazy game. So um, yeah, they've it's it's been you know if they do go down. It's some fall, isn't it, from you know that amazing high of, of of winning the Premier League, and then you know I don't think any any Leicester fan ever thought that that was ever going to be replicated. But you know what were they under Rodgers fifth, fifth and eighth, I think. Um, yeah. So it's yeah to suddenly find themselves in in the in this relegation scrap, it's 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 been a huge drop off. 
Yeah, and FA Cup winners two years ago, it's amazing. And, but again, I agree with you there, James. You know, you're sitting there, you're in the Leicester boardroom, you go, okay, we need someone dynamic, we need someone with presence. Dean Smith's the man. I mean, even the name's boring. Is there, could there be a more boring name than Dean <laughs> Smith? Possibly. I mean, you know, even John Smith, to me, is less boring than Dean Smith. I don't know, Kiva. But uh, a Monday night game for us. How did you think the schedule on it affects the teams in the, you know, the, the so-called race for the top four? The fact that United and Newcastle play before, does it put pressure on on them or does it turn up the pressure on us? I think it's always been interesting, hasn't it, that, you know, when Liverpool have been in title races, particularly with Man City, I used to think sometimes playing before them would be better because you just, you know, you get your three points on the board and then you get to watch them maybe slip up, you know, which City hardly ever did. So that was always a pointless exercise. And then, you know, sometimes Liverpool will play after and that little bit of pressure would be on them. But then that relief of when they do win sort of would feed into, you know, a good positive energy, momentum and everything else. So... I think it's the same with this, isn't it? The you know last weekend, obviously Liverpool played, won, and then you know got to see what happened after that. And I think that is helpful and nice to you know enjoy the weekend, I guess, on the back of a win. But then you know this weekend it'll obviously be different. Liverpool will be the last team to play, and we'll kind of know where they stand even more. You know, if those teams have slipped up, it's Liverpool have to win. I mean, they have to win anyway, but it should just give them that little bit of energy. And I think we we did see that in the sort of the relegation battle this weekend, didn't we? The sort of knock-on effects of mm. teams lose. And I think that really did help Everton as well. That just give them a, you know, seeing Leicester lose and the way they did and then them going out playing and seeing, I think, did Forest win. It was just kind of those knock-on effects of, I guess, because they do keep an eye on it, don't they? So Liverpool will know, you know, how Man United have got on, how Newcastle have got on. I think that should be something that will inspire them if they need that extra little bit of um, incentive. As, as you say, it didn't do Everton any harm at all, does it? You know, it worked really in their favour. And I think, again, if if you do win, I mean, I remember in the races with City at the times when they played afterwards, you know, you win and you think, good, good, it puts the pressure on them. But, you know, when, when they come back and won, it's it's discouraging to you as well. You know, sort of going into it. So, I don't know. Swings and rounds about Sandy. Swings and rounds about what we do know is that Liverpool need to win. The performance doesn't matter. All that matters is the three points. Yeah, yeah. And it w- I think it would be a concern if you if you lost to this Leicester side because I think defensively they are horrendous. Um, and saying that now, they'll probably keep a clean sheet, so I shouldn't have said that. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's all about Liverpool doing it. And it would have been nice, to, I think, have played first and, you know, and win, and then you go above United, and you, you draw level and points with Newcastle. And okay, you played two games more, but suddenly they're not looking behind; they're looking up at you. Um, in United's case, anyway. So, but equally, you've just got to do your own job, and and that's all you can do. And then you've just got to hope that that other slip up. And the difference is, this is this isn't the title race. This isn't Man City. This is a, a Newcastle and United and a Man United team who have both got flaws and who and both as they showed last weekend can drop points and we just we've just got to hope that they that they keep doing that until the end of the season and Liverpool don't drop any. Well, I hope that for United and Newcastle we get the Eurovision classic line nil point. That would make the weekend perfect. And that's all from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Kiefer and Andy and you for joining us. We'll catch you on Tuesday after the game against Leicester. Yes, it's going to be a long, long weekend.
The Athletic.